Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire cartoon fan podcast. This is episode 304, and today we'll be talking about the first episode of Adventure Time Distant Lands, Bebo. I'm GC13. And I'm David. So, uh, Bemo becomes the sheriff of the drift. I mean, that's a very Bemo thing to have happen. Can't escape from talking about shows with sheriffs. It's a, it's a, it's a hard thing. It's a, it's a big theme in cartoons these days, I guess. Yeah, this, uh, this is a completely and utterly fascinating thing that has happened that we are having more adventure time and that we're coming back with Bemo and that the adventure time universe is so much bigger than Earth, and uh, you know we've we, we've gotten stories in Adventure Time before that took place in space. Yet I, I still think this was a a firm departure or a, a way of saying, you know what, Adventure Time stories can be about literally anything we want them to be, and I think that's really cool and made me think a lot. And then I saw the Adamudo, and there were some other people on there on their AMA on Reddit, and they were talking about, you know, someone asked, oh, Adventure Time, could there be? more of that even beyond distant lands and they were like i mean sure why not you know and that's how i felt watching this i just thought <laughs> man there's so much you could do here and uh, it it really feels like there's very little time and you know what they fit in is honestly a pretty independent story and they they do try to connect it with you know sort of oh surprise it's a it's a prequel story and oh surprise here's a little connection to earth and humans but at the same time they almost felt like not really necessary inclusions. And there's one particularly interesting inclusion, which I'm sure we'll get to, a certain character that's never truly name-dropped but is included in this special that I cannot figure out why they included him in the way they did. But Bimo was a lot of things. They, they really did a lot to <laughs> pique, pique my interest in, in such a way that I uh, am able to talk about it in many circles, spinning around many topics. So let's pick one. I mean, it's just, I was talking about this with somebody today, and I, I summarized it as they were writing it, and they realized that they were writing an Adventure Time episode, and so there'll be, there'll be sometimes, especially whenever Hugo is talking, they're going to be like, oh yeah, yeah, this is an Adventure Time episode. You like it's with like, that Hugo lingo? Hugo just brings that. Yeah, with that lingo? And he says it so half-heartedly. It's like, yeah, I'm Hugo. What you going <laughs> to do about it? <laughs> I mean, I felt that same touch with, um, what were the, the crab aliens called? Shield, shield somethings? I think they were just uh, called the shells. Yeah, shells. He's like, well, the voice of them are ridiculous, but that, that opening scene with the shells, they just have a ridiculously casual voice. And, you know, the leader of them is called Carl? Jeff? Some name like that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't remember doing that. <laughs> like, again, that. That was another, like, very Adventure Time moment. Yeah, I mean, you know, Bemo grounding this episode, obviously Bemo's dialogue was as Bemo-y as ever in this, but especially because Hugo was a human character, I feel like they almost made it the humans have human lingo, and same thing with Mr. M had all of his, uh, <laughs> his well, let's just say it, his Martin-y speech and his way of being not really cunning, I don't know if I'd ever describe him as cunning. He's definitely um, just, I don't know, a smart enough jerk. There is a certain kind of cunning. Yeah, he, uh, Mr. M was wearing his Martin on his sleeve, I think. <laughs> I mean, the M's everywhere. And I just think it's hilarious that the big reveal that they did was that he took off his shoes. And that's supposed to be, you know, for true fans. They can recognize those feet anywhere. <laughs> that that specific reddish skin tone of Martin. But um. <laughs> He's so interesting to be included here because 
since we see at the end of this episode that it, it, it takes place right around when Finn is, you know, like very, very young age. I mean, is he five, six, seven? But, you know, it's only been five, six or seven years since the Martin we saw who lost Finn. And I'll never get over how much of a different character Martin was when we saw him, you know, in the Islands miniseries taking care of Finn. And he's already up to his, you know, he was already a little bit of a, well, not a little bit. I mean, he was a complete con man then, but he still... He, like, genuinely loved Finn then, and he wasn't a completely irredeemable person, but, you know, here he is in space, and he's already a complete, a complete butthead, so I don't- Scoundrel. I want to know why. I wa- yeah, why is he such a scoundrel? I, we, we totally miss that character development, and, you know, you don't always have to see it, but it's just, uh, he's a weird, he's a weird character. It's a harsh, unforgiving universe out there, David. Yeah, I, I, I feel like part of his inclusion here, one, it just, you know, it gives you a little little something extra as a longtime Adventure Time fan. But also, you know, it just gives us this sense of the scale of the world that, yeah, Martin was just, you know, out in space doing doing stuff at some point. And, you know, I guess at some point he became a, like, ultra space criminal to get locked up in the Citadel. So this is, you know, somehow, somehow with him getting you know, thrown off back into space again at the end of this episode. Somehow he went from that to committing horrible space crimes. Well, I think you have to commit a cosmic level crime to get there. Right. Like, what is this guy doing? I feel like he has to show up again in the other Distant Lands episodes because I just couldn't imagine that this was the last we'd see of him. You know, it already was strange that the last we saw of him was him just, you know, going to another plane of existence <laughs> in whatever season of Adventure Time that was. And, you know, it, his story was always, like, written in a very specific way to be like, oh, abusive father shows up, super annoying, and then he's out of there. You know, just like a very realistic depiction of just a terrible, uh, well, not abusive, uh, abandoning father. Just a terrible human being. Right, and so to have him back one more time, just seeing him being, you know, relatively despicable and selfish, I I don't know. It's a very interesting layer on this otherwise not greatly layered story. I don't know. Bimo never has too much going on. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you this. He, uh, Martin signed on with the right, um, I guess he's a gray elf now. Hugo is utterly amoral, but I just keep thinking to his little hey, you guys were okay with what I was doing back when you thought there was something in it for you. But the accusation of hypocrisy doesn't work because they had no idea what he was actually doing. Well, and they thought it was saving everyone. <laughs> so no, it didn't seem like people were acting selfishly. It kind of seemed like everybody thought everyone was working for the greater good. Yeah, they didn't realize that he was the one destroying the pods and they figured, oh, the pods are being destroyed. Uh, we better help this guy help us. Yeah, so it was <laughs> more he tricked them and then acted like they knew what he was doing the whole time. No, Hugo, they're just dum-dums. And the craziest thing is that Hugo's character didn't need that much. And yet they gave him a little moment at the end to be back with all of, you know, the little service droid. And I, I just don't know why. Like, did he need did he need a happy ending? But he, he even kind of got one. It's one of those bittersweet kind of deals. I well, for him, I don't know if the audience <laughs> cares about his fate or not, but uh, yeah, that's where I wonder, like, were we, was there supposed to be more to Hugo? Like, I don't empathize with him just because he was a human, like, he's just, you know, standard, standard dirtbag. I think it's, it's more that there's hope even for the likes of him. That's how I interpreted it. <laughs> yeah, as long as you're not Martin, there's still some hope. <laughs> 
Speaking of too much hope, so I know we haven't really talked about the core of the episode yet, but I'm just going to keep avoiding that. And let's just talk about Y5's parents for a second, since we're talking about bad people. The original deadbeat parents to get told off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that little uh, line that Martin says to them about, you know. He can tell the future. <laughs> yeah, about them being the deadbeat parents. I'm like, wow, that's some foreshadowing there. It almost made it feel like post, you know, even though this is a prequel thing. Sounded more like he was being self-recognition, self-recognizing of his abandonment. But anyway, Wi-Fi's parents are bad, or at least, you know, her parents or her dad doesn't talk much, but her mom does, and she's a jerk until the one thing she says at the end. But we show, you know, the family getting back together, and I think, you know, there was a lot of discourse in the uh, Shira fandom talking about Shadow Weaver and, you know, can can your mom, abusive mom, ever really be redeemed or not? And I think there's just been so many better depictions in in like you know cartoons that when we get something like this it feels like kind of wrong like i know it's just a one-off episode and so you know we'll probably never see y5 again much like sadly i don't think bimo ever will bimo you know says oh i can't wait to see y5 the next time maybe she'll be mayor and we know that (laughs) bimo (laughs) probably stays on earth for a thousand years anyway yeah y5's mom didn't deserve a hug (laughs) she was a jerk she only deserved to be called out and maybe i mean maybe it was a genuine apology at the end but i don't know i feel like we didn't really need that arc for her parents because there just wasn't enough there like we only saw her be bad and not listening to her kid and then only at the end when it was very clearly spelled out that she was wrong did she say please love me so i mm, you know i don't know about that I mean, uh, I'm going to say this. She's nowhere near the level of Shadow Weaver. I think she's just one of those authoritarian-style parents, which is, some people would call it abuse, some people would just call it not sparing the rod. I don't like those people very much, but hey. Well, it's a little worse than authoritarian, though, because not only is she telling wife what to do, no matter what, don't question me, but she also makes wi-fi feel a little worthless so it's a bonus there's 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 multiple levels of bad parenting it's not just listen to me and never question me it's also you disappoint me (laughs) so that's kind of the whole package i mean the only thing extra shadow weaver added on was probably i mean well was she even physically abusive it's it was all emotional Mm. catra makes it pretty clear that shadow weaver was physically abusive yeah so yeah, so I mean, look, Shadow Weaver's, you know, worse. It's in the name, Shadow Weaver, but still, uh, yeah, Wi-Fi's parents are bad. That's that's the <laughs> forward note. They're definitely not the notes. parents I would choose. <laughs> yeah. I think Ricky is the standout star of the episode. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I mean, I miss Ricky already. I love that Wi-Fi calls Ricky Ricky <laughs> after after Bimo names him. Um. I liked the moment just that, you know, this little weird space octopus farmer dude wanted to get back his his little, um, what are those horrible little creatures called? Space lard. Lard, that's the key word. <laughs> uh, you know, he wanted his lard back, but it was just to eat him. And that was, uh, that was, that was hilarious. But also, I really feel like I haven't watched Adventure Time in a long time because I know we've seen space lards before in some capacity, and I don't remember where anymore. I think they're called sea lards in Adventure Time. Oh, they like live in, the, but do they live in the sea or are they just called sea lards and they're somewhere else? Which would be a very Adventure Time thing. I'm, I can't remember what the episode <laughs> is, but they're having a party. I think this is the one where the Ice King is mad he didn't get invited and uh, Finn wins a sea lard and Jake mocks him for it. 
<laughs> yep, sea lards. Well, and then we find out, I don't know if a sea lard ever talked in the regular runtime Adventure Time, but this one does, and uh, his name is... Oh, I should have written that one down. Uh, Twinkle Toes. Twinkle Toes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd love... I just love Bebo just going on a tear naming naming things. Also, his name's Ricky! <laughs> yeah, and yet we find out that also Bebo thinks that, uh, you know, he named himself. Not the case. <laughs> it's it's printed on your side, Bebo. Sorry. I mean, where do you think he got the inspiration from? <laughs> That's right. I, I, I do find Bemo's reason to be in space um, interesting. I guess, you know, terraforming Mars. But we already know Mars was an active place with, uh, you know, beans on it. I don't particularly know why Bemo had to be sent to plant potatoes there. Uh, I think I think I know why. Why? Did the Martians have a flag? <laughs> Did the Martians have a flag? It doesn't have a potato on it. Probably not. If they don't have a flag, they, they need to be colonized. No, no, no. Mo is not the colonizing type. I don't think. I don't think Mo is. Yeah, that's that's more Hugo's job description. Yeah, Mo seems like the guy that um, you know, he's he just takes care of his robots until he dies. Like I, so I was surprised. You know, I guess he took an active role in the world, though. He wanted his robots. He cared about, I guess, humanity too, because he wanted his robots to have relationships with humans. So maybe he played a part in the apocalypse or the you know post-apocalyptic times, but. Yeah, it's just weird. Also, you know, even in the beginning, as Bemo's flying a spaceship, there's like other spaceships and stuff flying past. It is so interesting how yeah, Adventure Time that was to be this world me. just full of life. Yeah, I mean, were those humans? Was it just other things? But I love that the premise for Adventure Time is that, you know, oh, humans messed up and blew up their world and everything died and everything came back as magic. But it turns out there was Nobody a whole noticed. universe of life going on the whole rest of the time, and people don't even know about Earth. You know, it's like not even relevant. So it's just fascinating because Ooh always felt just so big and diverse, but it turns out it was never even really important, which I just love that, you know, Adventure Time fans probably thought it was really interesting when they even found out that Ooh used to be Earth and there were people on it. And like, as humans, we find that interesting. But then the thing is, eh, the rest of the universe exists and it doesn't care about <laughs> the connection to humans or magic. It's like, no, the rest of the universe is just as interesting or more so. I just want to know, like, did Bemo get lost on the way to Mars? Because I feel like he was passing by a lot of stuff you wouldn't find <laughs> in between the Earth and Martian orbits. I, you know, the thing about Adventure Time's world is when I was watching it in its initial run, and, you know, you first see the episode where, you know, oh, you know, watching the tapes about Simon, you, you think, oh, their world was exactly our world. But by the time you get to, like, the Elements miniseries, or, well, even before that, you learn about, you know, the early history of Earth with magic and stuff. And, you know, the, one of the Elementals shoots candy out of their hands with a fart sound. Like, <laughs> that's not our world. So, so there's like, you know, at first you're like, oh, and, and maybe it's supposed to be like this. I mean, clearly our world doesn't actually have magic in it, you know, so whatever. So it's already an alternate world anyway. But it's a little more alternate. So I could accept that lots of things are alternate, including the layout of the solar system or anything else. But I feel like at one point, the vision of Adventure Time was more like, no, it's like literally Earth, and then it transforms. But they've expanded it so much that it feels much more alt than it did before. So yeah. And then I also feel like there's one shot where you can see the drift from where Bemo is, but we know that the drift is nowhere near Earth because the stars are all in the wrong places. So yeah, it must be another ship. There must be another alien space station 
in our solar system, <laughs> which I mean, why not? Would be kind of cool, actually. And well, it's not like this one group of humans that we saw escape in this uh, episode, movie, whatever you want to call it, was the only one that escaped. I mean, there could be plenty of different groups of humans, and I also really like the angle that it's much like Susan Strong. Where there's just I, this idea that humans just branched and mutated into all sorts of things. It, it kind of reminds me of, I feel like that was a theme in Doctor Who, too, of like humans in the far future all become different uh, species and stuff. Well, actually, that's definitely a theme because now I'm remembering Moisturize Me, who really likes being the last pure human. But um, yeah, but I think that was they're all interbred, not that those were humans to begin with. Right. Like there's an episode where a woman has literal kittens. Because she has a cat boy husband. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> we won't worry about the genetic systems of the universe of Doctor Who. But I like that Adventure Time takes the same sort of note in their in their sci-fi flavorings. And they have have this idea that humans just became anything else but humans. Although, obviously, that's not necessarily the case because there was an island of humans that did just fine for, you know, a thousand, the thousand years after the, the Great War, the Great Mushroom War. But yeah, you know, I watched... This whole thing, the first time I watched it, and it wasn't until the very end when Bima was talking about going back to visit Y5 that I realized, oh, oh, that was a girl the whole time? I, well, they're doing, it's, that's the funny thing is that they're, like, cartoon characters are just aren't heavily gendered anymore. And, like, if you don't hear the personal pronoun a bunch, it's not, like, hammered into your head, like, Y5 is, you know, specifically a little girl, right? Like, it's a bunny named Y5. Oh, you know, happens to be she, you may decide whether or not the voice sounds like a young girl or young boy, but they're not like, you know, trying to make anything super obvious, right? Like it's, it's a bunny with eyes, you know, they didn't put, yeah, they didn't put big old, big old lipstick or anything. And it's not like it's really relevant in this episode. So I, I just enjoy that. I enjoy the bunny characters in general. I like how BMO points out that you know, oh, that one owns a shop <laughs> or it's a gas station or a hotel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're running a hotel. He runs a hotel, yes. Yeah, that uh, was great. Um, Bebo was just so excited to see all of the bunny people. Yeah, but I don't know. I've been watching a lot of um, Summer Camp Island, so the idea of gender in cartoons has been on my mind. So I do think that's an interesting, interesting topic. Yeah, took me a little while to realize Pepper was a boy. So yeah, which I like that it's just like, you know. If kids don't feel like particularly strongly gendered, like, boom, there you go. And cartoons, it's just about like, yeah, I'm just a bunny kid, you know? I like these kids. Who's going designs. to be mayor one day? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm sure BMO took on the role of sheriff pretty fast. I feel like with, with very little demonstrated leadership, right? Like, BMO's face was broadcasted across this whole space station just by himself proclaiming himself being the sheriff. So I, I feel like Y5 gave one speech. Sure, make her mayor. Like, it could happen. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, Hugo was acting completely selfishly the whole time, and he was the genius inventor who was going to save them all. I I don't think there's a very high bar for leadership in the (laughs) drift. I think everybody's mostly self-interested. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the character that uh, is the title of this thing. Uh, Bimo. Bimo is a character that... Runs towards the screaming. It, yeah, it, it, BMO is meant somewhat for comedy, somewhat for this weird exploration of, I mean, not weird, sci-fi always explores, you know, robots. Are they life? Are they not? Themes of that come up again in this episode as Y5's parents treat BMO just like 
spare parts and you know but then at the same time we see bimo die and deal with death but it's not that (laughs) deep but it sure played that's the thing with bimo like sometimes adventure time tries to go deep and this has happened before with bimo too but they always play it from this like it's like bimo is we're supposed to always think of bimo as a child even though bimo is obviously very old (laughs) in in years of experience but you know like bimo is always childlike and we see what it's like uh, for a child to think about themselves dying it's all it's very all hard to parse and sometimes it feels like adventure time purposely sets up these scenarios where they're like oh try to parse it but actually there's not that much there (laughs) so it's like we're we're tricking you into thinking there is but it's the same thing with football the fact that faux depth like well yeah but it's not even it's not like necessarily cheap it's like adventure time hits this part of my brain that's like we know what artsiness looks like and we're playing with that concept in a knowing way but uh, football too in this the fact that we see football again which that character was always an enigma to me and it still remains that way because i understand that football is a part of of bimo but it always feels like something's supposed to come of it and it never does it's just that bimo talks to himself i guess <laughs> and that just continued to be carried out here and it wasn't like fleshed out in any new way it just it's like yeah that's that's a thing bimo does i don't, I don't know yeah they actually had one bit there uh, right there at the door after Mr. M uh, backstabs Bimo, or I guess front stabs, really. It kind of it kind of looked like they were showing that it was just Bimo saying both sides of the conversation, but I might have I might have missed that. It happens very quickly. Well, they did have the shot where it's not showing the reflection. At least it's just showing Bimo crying in, into an empty uh, panel, which could be suggestive of it. But they've always done a pretty solid job of always making you question like is football just straight up you know his own entity inside of bimo somehow but um it turns out bimo actually has a full collection a full colorful collection of bimos inside his a psyche so (laughs) you know i'm not even sure what to make of that they only come out when bimo's dying not not gonna lie even though you know rainbow colors are just they're just part of the color spectrum and it shouldn't be a reference to anything but it's felt so undertale for people who have played undertale just seeing seeing those characters in a circle with those specific colors near death yeah it just felt like i was like are they gonna resurrect the bimo somehow or are they gonna break out of the barrier i don't know i don't know why it made me think of that it shouldn't it's just a rainbow bimo refused Well, he's full of uh, he's full of determination, isn't he? I mean, that's all he's got, and a magical surface drone that can turn into a cowboy hat or a sheriff's badge. Yeah, they didn't do too much with that surface drone, though. Which I guess they didn't need to. It's just again that choice. I I don't know. They needed just an extra little companion. It's it's just a fun adventure timey touch. But it didn't need. You know, we didn't need another third tragic backstory in this thing, I guess, <laughs> to be like, and this is the service drone's consciousness. Like, no, it's just a simple robot. Aww. But I, why did it find Bimo so significant again? Like, how did it actually recognize that? I don't know. I saw the, I'm thinking that it keyed in on the heart. Well, like it recognized Mo's work, I guess, like Moco, but it just seemed like it went deeper initially and it, and it didn't. It just happened to recognize it. When it scanned BMO, it showed the heart and some other storage compartment. So I'm assuming what I always got out of that shot was that it was keying in on BMO having a heart. And so it's like, hey, I need to bring you here to fix this. That's what I got. 
Oh, you think it didn't identify it as like a high piece of technology? You mean he literally has a heart? Oh, that's cute. I like that. <laughs> it's like, oh, here's someone who will actually care about our world. You know, and that's funny that that's part of Bimo's character. As soon as he shows up, he's like, your little world needs saving, right? <laughs> well, he declares that he's going to save it, then clarifies, you do need me to save you guys, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that yeah. was, I loved that. Yeah. Oh, and uh, speaking of speaking of things from the trailer, I just want to point out that no, they did not light a firecracker on Y5's butt. <laughs> it, it did sound less like Y5 was trying to say um, the ass word during the during the actual episode. I think they they played it up a little with the timing in the trailer somehow. I don't know. Oh, also quelled fear for some reason in the trailer. I thought the audio was off. The the audio sounded fine when I watched it, so there was no weird shenanigans with how the voice actors sound. I will say, though, that the music was wildly subdued for an Adventure Time episode. And Adventure Time's always had just sometimes uh, atmospheric music that just sounds a little, you know, wonky digital. That's that's my brilliant assessment of the genre of Adventure Time background music, wonky digital. But it was it was like super subdued in this episode. I thought that there were definitely some scenes that felt a little too adventure timey to me where the music was just so subdued. I don't even know a better word. It was just like literally quiet and not that strong during some scenes that are quote, like dramatic or just, you know, Oh, the space station's crumbling apart or something. And the music's just not kicking in. And it doesn't have to be like, you know, strings and the cello making me feel sad. It's not like that. It's just like, Normally, music gets literally louder when something, when action is happening. And they kind of chose to not do that, which, I don't know, is it adventure timey? But it felt a little too far in that direction to me. I don't know. I want to know what was up with that pod that they had. Like, they had a little, literal firmament in that pod where the where the firework was set off because they had the the big bubble holding the water and all the sea creatures out. And it's like, how was that designed? <laughs> I, there's a lot of things mysterious about this floating space station thing. They honestly, you know, like Wi-Fi said it was ancient, but they didn't quite give off the vibe that there was a previous, you know, civilization that had made it or whatever. It's just kind of like had a bunch of weird stuff going on and a bunch of none of the species that were there were indigenous to it, right? They'd all seemingly stumbled upon this place. So who 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 knows what the justification or even the logic behind that <laughs> that bubble was or any of those creatures and we'll never find out well who knows i think there's a world where we do get a bunch more adventure time content and uh i'll i'll regret all the th- bad things i ever said about AT&T because they're giving me the things that i want by funding this you know this incredibly this more expensive than normal <laughs> streaming subscription oh but david it has all those movies that you don't want to watch <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. When it comes to, like, cartoons, there's so much. There's so much. Because there's the whole Cartoon Network library on HBO Max. And I'm like, this is great. Except for it doesn't have the Steven Universe movie or Steven Universe feature. And I'm certain if there were other <laughs> things I wanted to watch, I would know that they weren't there either. Right, there's still these weird exclusions. And then when it comes to the non-cartoon world, I mean, I don't know. I was watching Barry on HBO before. I'm I'm still waiting for season three, but there's not, like... It's not as big of a library. It never was. So I don't I don't know what HBO Max's future is. But anyway, I, I do feel like there's pieces of this episode that I don't want to lose track of, though. Like, is this it for BMO? I mean, surely we'll see BMO again in 
at least the Finn and Jake episode, right? Like, they can't just not have Bimo there. And I don't know. They might focus on their relationship, though. Right. I mean, Bimo might just be like in the background for a sec, you know, like, well, because maybe if it starts in the treehouse, right? And it's just like, bye, Bimo. Bimo better have a sheriff badge if it's just a background shot. There's just this weirdness to like the series ended and you go, yep, that's all I'll ever see of the characters, you know, what what existed. But now that there's new stuff, you're just like, I don't know. It, it might not ever end. I want to see everything all over again. Yeah. Yeah. I Because there's just... I mean, I don't know. I've kind of had my fill of BMO, but I, I like Martin. Martin's an interesting character, and they purposefully limited it. I'm just happy Peppermint Butler is getting an episode. Oh. That's what excites me. I, of all the, I like, that's the most important tertiary character they could have picked, right? That's, that's the top of the heap. I, I, well, it depends on who you consider a tertiary character, but I, he's the best, maybe besides. Oh, yeah. I, you know. I sweet pea though I don't know sweet sweet pea series <laughs> what could sweet no, pea get no, no. into Giuseppe Giuseppe needs to get his own series Ooh. oh well you know I'm surprised they're not doing magic man that would be also oh, one you could do no he couldn't carry the series by himself you'd have to make the series about just some person who he decides to attach himself to yeah I mean there's oh, there's so much in the adventure time world they could do a whole series just during the regular people times. Like, I don't know. They're just... <laughs> uh, set a series on Mars for crying out loud. Yes, Mars is super interesting. I mean, that was they like part Abraham of the pilot. There. Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> just, you could do a whole, you could do an eight part miniseries just with Abraham Lincoln. That's the best part is that he's a part of the canon of Adventure Time. You could just do a whole adventure. How did we never have an 11 minute episode of Adventure Time where Abraham Lincoln was just doing something, <laughs> you know? Trying to make an omelet, but every recipe he looks up online doesn't work on his skillet for some reason because that's, it's a Martian skillet. That's very well suited to a story in Mars, maybe. Not, so I don't know if it's specifically well suited to the uh, <laughs> the life of lived by Abraham Lincoln, but you know. Was he? Did he like hey, omelets? Is this a man's got to make his omelet. <laughs> I I actually did. They have is omelet a thing of the um the past? When did omelets in in America become a thing? Like, were you in in the time of the sixteenth president? Were you like, let's eat an omelet? It's an alternate lads? history. Is that it? <laughs> that's true. It isn't. Maybe maybe they had omelets. <laughs> anyway, guys, that's been us on BMO. We're looking forward to the rest of Adventure Time: Distant Lands. Whenever that comes out, am I right? <laughs> Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Don't forget to leave us a review anywhere. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.